imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal with your host, Kalin Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rocking about music, rock and roll, and cover power. The thing is, though, if you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with sharp and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. It's That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed. It is a science thing. It is a science place. It is a scientific fact that we are all up in your face. It is time for the one, the only protonic reversal. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. Back on a somewhat regular schedule now, probably even through the holidays. So anybody that has been missing the constant onslaught of Protonic, there's a bunch more coming. This is one of them. Been waiting to do this for a while, and waiting? No, I've been wanting to do this for a while. Heather Smith, Bone and Bell. Bone and Bell's a very interesting uh, band slash artist from uh, Portland, Oregon. Uh, Chicago is from before that, but really great record uh, to a cinder came out this year i like it a lot and i've been meaning to have her on for forever and if quarantine is good for one thing <laughs> i'm getting around to all kinds of stuff so if you're not familiar she's awesome uh, you need to check it out a uh, very thoughtful uh, artist musician she works in augmented reality as well a great visual artist as well but uh, yeah that's, that's gonna be coming up uh just quick thanks to everyone uh, for sharing the shows around uh, the nice feedback on, on recent episodes. It's always nice to hear. It's always nice to know the folks are listening out there. I uh, just really appreciate it. That's it. That, that, no, nothing else. ProtonicReversal.com for the archives. Uh, there's been significant catch-up, so the advanced feed isn't as advanced as it used to be, but that's okay. That's Don't don't worry. There's a lot. To, for folks, folks that uh, subscribe to the Patreon for the advanced stuff, there's a lot of coming, so uh, stay tuned for any of that. Uh, anyway, Heather Smith, Bone Bell. So okay, yeah, let's let's uh, let's dive into it. Heather, thanks so much for for joining. This this is a I'm, it's great to talk to you. I've been meaning to do this for a very long time, so I really appreciate you making the time to uh, do the show. Uh, you have an awesome, 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 awesome new record, and it's awesome just on the face of it, meaning that the songs themselves are good and it's it's uh, excellent. Listen, but there's a lot of kind of backstory to the path to it and how you got there and it's you know somewhat documented in the record if you know uh, how to listen to it or you know that that's there but it's not a prerequisite would you mind telling us a little bit to how you how you got to yeah. make this one so it's been about um it's been about six years since i released an album and part of the reason for that was that i got hurt about five years ago which you know people in the prf and like our friends all know but basically the tragic thing is that I was like carrying a box of like my own vinyl records. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like, 
it's so like ironic but anyway so i'm taking my my records from the garage to the basement because i'm worried about like warping and like the heat and all that sort of stuff and we have like an old janky house that's from like 1925 and we have this staircase that leads to the basement that's like um curved and it's got like triangular steps on it and so i'm like rushing because it's too heavy for me and so I'm not, I can't actually see my feet and I miss the step. And when you miss the step, you miss like three steps. Yeah. So rather than like just tossing this like 50 pound box of records, like away, like I should have I actually like cradled it towards me. And, um, and then <laughs> it ended like up, a baby or child. You know, it's all like slow-mo in my brain, of course, but, of course, um, yeah. in the movie it would be as well. Yeah. Totally. So uh, anyway, the box, the corner of the box basically pins my wrist to the concrete stair and it ends up fracturing it and dislocating it at the same time. And they um, unfortunately, they missed it in the x-rays for about five months and they couldn't figure out why I couldn't rotate my wrist. I was basically just stuck in like the palm up position, which um, I don't know if probably very few people have had that experience, but like learning to like chop things like this is like yeah, actually yeah. So learning you, to type upside down. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, so. you're one, your one hand is, is stuck almost as if you're like presenting a platter. Or, or exactly. Something I'm just like here, lines. hors d'oeuvres. Anyone? Yeah. Anyone? <laughs> yeah. Constantly. Yeah. Um, Cause, cause it, it's, it's almost as if you just don't have use of that hand at all for, for some activities. Yeah. Right. Cause you yeah. It's like you have it. 1.5 seven five hand you know like or 1.25 hands something like that but um but that's it if you, anyway, have, if you have a dinner party and you need to serve some hors d'oeuvres you're sorted yeah i mean i was a waitress for a few years so um i've already got i've already got some experience in that but um yeah anyway i got an mri eventually because no one could figure out why i couldn't rotate it and the doctor came out like in the middle of it and was like have you not had an x-ray and i was like yeah of course i've had like three x-rays was like, well, it's broken and dislocated. So that's what's going on. So I was like, okay, good. Good to know. Uh, what do we do now? Because it's already healed, uh, you know, in the locked position. Yeah, yeah. It, it, so, it's, it's, it's already... Yeah. <laughs> Horses has left the barn at this point. Yeah, for sure. So um, the first doctor that I talked to was actually kind of an asshole. Apparently surgeons are kind of like notorious, like uh, egotists, mm. um, sort of God complex people. And I don't know... I don't know if this guy actually had that going on because I only met with him like one time, but the the reviews of him sort of indicate that. But anyway, he told me that like right then and there that I needed surgery and that I needed to choose to either be palm up or palm down for the rest of my life, probably. So I needed to choose an instrument like either piano or guitar. And I was like, and this was all news to me because he's like the first one I talked to and so I, uh, I was like, okay. And then I went out to the car in the parking garage and just like cried my eyes out and was like, well, I'm going to get a second opinion. And I ended up getting like seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I opinion. mean, that's a huge decision, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't want to yeah. be like, well, that's the game guys. I mean, that's. Yeah, exactly. Well, okay. I guess I have to choose. Yeah. Um, and cause I was, you know, I was going to, if I had to choose, I was going to choose down because that's just a much more functional, you know, position, right? right? right. Like that's how you do everything in the world. And I work in computers and I kind of need to type like regular. So um, anyway, uh, long story short, I got surgery. Um, and uh, after I found a more optimistic daughter, not daughter, doctor, he's not my daughter. Um, and <laughs> I'm not sure where that came from. Um, and 
I didn't really get my rotation back and they couldn't figure that out either. And so I started doing PT and I, they got me a brace, which looks like this like ancient torture device. Basically it's like, it's a full arm thing with like these metal pieces that connected to my body. So I had to wear that all the time while I worked, while I slept, everything. We're basically manually rotating my wrist as doing, as well as doing PT. And um, long story short, like I, we got to a point where they were like, okay, you got about 50% rotation. And like, that's the best we can do without just replacing your wrist with like a robot wrist. So, and you're too young for that because that, that stuff, you know, wears out like yeah, over yeah, time. Yeah. So you'd bas- you basically, if, if you, if that route was explored, that'd be something that, you know, in 15 years or whatever, you would have to have it redone basically. Hey, here's another painful totally. and expensive surgery while we swap in a new robot right. part for you. Exactly. So uh, anyway, after I heard that from enough people, I basically just decided to um, to roll with it. And like I had enough rotation, I'd learned to play again. Um, I had to play things differently. Yeah, you basically uh, had to relearn have... how to do what you normally did, right? Yeah, and do it in a new way. Basically. Do it in a different way, like, right? Exactly. With right. Because I don't, I don't have the rotation. I don't have the strength that I used to. You know, like there's just some weird stuff. So I just learned to fret things differently and play piano differently. Um, Cause I used to do a lot of like sort of stuff, you know, bass, bass lines where I alternated between like the pinky and the thumb, you know, mm-hmm. like rocking back and forth, stuff like that. Um, anyway, just had to change up how I did things. But I uh, honestly, it turned out to be a really good thing. Um, I think it actually makes my work even more unique just by kind of like leaning into the constraint of it. I've found things that people wouldn't find otherwise, you know? Well, totally. Like, so I, I'm th- and I'm thinking of, uh, you know, uh, Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath, his uh, pinky finger, you know, it, sure. it, it got like chopped off at like the, the place he worked. I can't remember the exact yeah. rationale behind it. But because of that, the way that he plays is, is kind of unique and idiosyncratic and often imitated, but it never is quite exactly the same because people don't have right. that that same uh, disability. Django um, Reinhardt, you know, Django I mean, Reinhardt. Like, another great there's, example. There's examples of, of people who have, have um, just made, you know, made their music because they didn't have any other choice. And anyway, I think constraints and creativity are a really good thing. So, well, and uh, it's, it, it does show through because uh, even from, you know, being familiar with the earlier albums uh, and, and this one, it, like it may be sort of ineffable, but there there is a there is a difference compositionally and, and just the the way things fit together, and, and I think it's something that if if maybe you know somebody's more astute with uh, you know music theory or whatever than myself could point out they they could uh, they could outline well actually Conan is burr, 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 burr. but <laughs> what I can just say from perspective as as a you know just a fan and a listener is that it, it, it does it does hit a little differently and kind of gets to maybe similar places you would have before, but in a kind of a different way. Sure. Yeah. I mean, my, my aesthetic, like the, my ear is still there. I've always played by ear yeah. um, anyway. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think also it's just like, you know, it's been six years, so I've kind of evolved as a person too. Well, well exactly. So. And how much that do you attribute to this or how much you attribute to just wanting to explore different things and the, yeah. the music, the, the writing process being different for you because you're trying different stuff? Well, for one thing, I mean, 
this album was very cathartic for me. Um, a lot of the songs were kind of written, um, you know, in a very tender spot. And I think that that kind of emotionality comes through, which most of my stuff is, is kind of from, from that location anyway, or a lot of it. Um, so I guess that's not surprising, but, um, yeah, it was it was a really healing album for me to do. It was also the first one that I I engineered mostly um, and and mixed and produced and stuff for the mostly big move. for the first. Time. It's a big move, and also yeah. it's a big move to do that with your own stuff because you're already so close to it. That yeah, you know. totally. That was actually really nice though because I although you know my um, my husband uh, Jason has been my engineer and mixer uh, for the most part, like on the rest of my work. So we already have a pretty tight, you know, he kind of knows what I'm going for for the most part. But there's there have also been things that I wanted to try, like experimental stuff, um, more gritty textures, uh, that sort of stuff that um, that I just wanted to, to play around with. Like, I kind of think of composition, like creating the compositions of songs like I do um, my visual artwork. Mm. Like, they're really similar. Like, composition to me in both mediums is like, basically the same thing you're creating these like arcs of tension and release and you know these like like storytelling arcs and so anyway it was fun to kind of come at the production part of it like a painter um thinking about like 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 the texture and um all that sort of stuff which i have done in previous albums but i just had more control this time so it's like being a painter if you also are constructing the easel and the and every other piece of it as well, right? <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, the whole ship. So, but, um, mm-hmm. oh, go ahead, I, I, go ahead. No, that was it. That's that's basically how that album came to be. So when you're when you're talking about you know approaching that and doing like every piece of that yourself, do you have do you feel like you have to set constraints for yourself to like goals? and things like that to, to accomplish it. Because it's sort of like something that I found is that it's the mental discipline that's required to work on your own stuff is different than when you're in a a larger collaborative exercise or something that has deadlines that are, that are, you know, you're, you're being a jerk if you don't get it to somebody by a certain time or something along those lines. So how did you, how did you keep yourself honest through this? Knowing also that you were, you know, in some cases I, I, you know, going through, PT, going through physical therapy, mm-hmm. life is happening, mm-hmm. the world is it. the world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest, I've I've made enough things at this point that I have already kind of dealt with the monster of like overly refining something or like knowing when to like draw the finish line to say this is done, this is done enough, like there is no perfect, so... Um, don't overwork it. Like, I feel like I've already learned a lot of those lessons, hopefully, <laughs> my fingers crossed. Um, and so it wasn't that hard for me to um, walk away at a certain point. Like, I the way that I make typically is I'll, I'll, I'll write a song, I'll, I'll record it, I'll start layering things, but I have to step away from it, like, periodically so that I can hear with fresh ears. And at a certain point, after I've been working on a song, I can just say, you know, like, I think this captures the thing that I was looking for. So uh, let's just go ahead and call it because, you know, there's there's no point in sitting on something until it's like like a perfectly polished turd. It'll like lose all <laughs> the life out of it. You know, like, like look at my beautiful turd. <laughs> it's, 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 it's ineffable and perfect. <laughs> yeah. 
exactly. Well, and it's it's there's a lot of sayings that that kind of gel with that. But you know, the one that kind of comes to mind is, you know, no our project is ever truly completed, just abandoned. Yeah. You know, once once the music <laughs> leaves your head, it's already compromised, et cetera, et cetera. There's plenty of aphorisms. Uh, sure. to, to, to back that <laughs> of just the, the wanting to know when something is done <clears throat> and have that have that process for yourself to know when something is, is completed or, or at, at bare minimum that additional work to it will not improve it will only right. <clears throat> postpone I think it's kind of a trust thing like a trust in the process a trust in yourself and your own intuition to be able to tell when something is done and also kind of just trusting the work because it has its own life outside of you once once it's been made and, and sort of put into the world. You kind of just have to be like, okay, little baby, I've cared for you, you know, for so long. And now take this sailboat, you know, into the horizon and have interactions with all these other people. Um, yeah, and you're just not there to, to do that. So you've already done your part. Well, and, and so your music kind of first came to my attention right about when you did Organ Fantasies. And that's, that's something that was immediately noticeable to me was that, you know, that the, there's a lot of there's a lot of space uh, in the music, but it's like deliberate space. It's something where like that's that's as much a, a, a part of the composition as anything else. And so it's almost to me it almost seems like it would be just as important to know when it's time to take something out or, or, or not oh, fill yeah. that space. Oh yes. Yeah. I, all of my music for the most part is pretty um, minimal, I guess is a way to put it. But like ever, I'm a big fan of like just putting in like, like the absolute necessary essence so that what's there can have breathing room and, and I think it's actually, you know, again, it's I, I feel like some of that might come from my visual art background where like negative space is like a huge portion of the composition. Right. But but also just for the um, for the storytelling stuff uh, and for the being able to perform it in such a way that like um, I have time to feel the things or I don't know, like breathing room um, to, to perform it well. So anyway, all those things sort of combine to create like a very. Um, not stark, but um, uh, minimal sort of thing. Right. And it's it, kind of the wrong word, honestly, because a lot of the stuff that in organ fantasies, I wouldn't necessarily define as like minimal. No, it's, but, not, it's not minimal so much as one well, spacious is even the wrong word. <clears throat> Just deliberate in, yeah. its, in its usage of, of what happens, what happens where. And that's, you know, you, you like to think that's something that, is more common, but it's definitely if you're someone that like listens for those kinds of things and 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 hears for it, yeah. it it's, it's definitely apparent that that's a almost like a compositional tool. Uh, yeah. In that way, I mean, don't get me wrong, I like maximalism too, but it's not even that. It's oh yeah, me too. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but it's something where uh, and what I'm what I'm going at with all this is when you're approaching something where space is so important, there's almost uh, the necessity that. The things that are there do exactly what they're needed to do at that moment in time. And mm -hmm. when you're in a position of you know, kind of relearning how to do all of the things, did you ever find that to be a challenge as far as getting the desired goal of what you had in your head versus what was on the, on the record? To be honest, no. 
because my process for this whole thing was one of allowing where I would end discovery, where I would go a place and then sort of see where I was and then make a decision based on that and then move forward versus like having something in my head that I was trying to articulate and then and then creating it with my body. It was more like I was allowing my body to kind of lead the way. Um, and uh, I kind of find that that like, I mean, sometimes I write the other way, like I hear something and I'll, I'll create it. But like a lot of the time, it's just it's discovery and just like listening, seeing what happens. Did you have uh, any any arc or like mood in, in mind for it? And specifically, I say that because it, it's almost—it's it, not like it's explicitly a uh, a concept record necessarily. But it, mm. there, there's again, if you're if you're willing to look, you you can find you can find cer- certain repeated themes within there. Sure. Um, to be honest, that wasn't that wasn't something I set out for. That was just that manifested from the work itself. And when I put it together, it was sort of like, oh, okay, you know, like I'm sure this probably happens for you too. Like you make something and then you don't even fully understand it until you step away from it for a second. You're like, oh shit, yeah. okay, yeah, I see what my like subconscious was doing there. <laughs> like, great, um, you know. No, other other things have like you know more sort of explicit themes from the beginning like organ fantasies but like yeah. uh but yeah with this album it wasn't um again it was it was sort of discovery versus like pre-planning i wish i could give credit to who said it but i heard somebody say the album telling you what it is and i thought that was mm-hmm. a good good way to put it yeah uh so there's you know there's a lot of interesting stuff with the, within the songs I, I was wondering if we could uh, just go through yeah, uh, so, song by song on, and you could just kind of tell me a little bit about you know uh, lyrical themes, anything with recording and arrangement, uh, etc. On sure. everything to a cinder. So we'll just we'll just <laughs> like like any good story, we'll start from the beginning. So my little anchor is the first song. Yeah, so my little anchor, like when I wrote that, um, I knew that it had the potential to be kind of like like a big poppy um anthemy sort of thing that had like a huge crescendo and I was thinking about like Phil Spector and but sort of in my own own way and so I was trying to create that um that vibe like the girl group sort of vibe for that particular song um and uh the I feel like the the addition of the horns was like really instrumental in creating sort of like the overall vibe of that song which was all Jason he wrote those and um, and created them. And, uh, but yeah, I, I, I like to start songs. I mean, um, a lot of my songs have a lot of dynamic range in them. That's one of the things that I try to do. So, uh, sometimes like I have a few songs on this album that start really small and spare and then just get, they kind of bloom almost. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's that, it's that storytelling arc, uh, both like, you know, in the audio as well as like the lyrical content and that sort of stuff. But, yeah, I mean, that song is just sort of about, like, um, the challenges of, like, a long-term relationship, like, like um, being in love with a human being that is, like, imperfect and, um, you know, and still loving them and that sort of stuff, so. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the Phil Spector thing, because it, it, the first thought that occurred to me is it's a song that <laughs> you, you could almost teleport back to, like, you know the the early 60s or something and 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 have like one of those groups do and it wouldn't it, you know obviously it would be different but it would still it would still work and oh, it wouldn't thanks. seem like it was time travel or music <laughs> in that way oh thanks 
I, I love, I love retro stuff. I mean, I think there's like probably a unconscious sort of retro vibe to, to a lot of the stuff that I do, but that's just because that's what I've listened to like since I was little. So it's just sort of found its way into to what I do. When did you first discover the Omnichord too? That's an interesting instrument. I bought that for myself a few birthdays ago. Um, and uh, it was actually in response to the the wrist arm stuff too, because I knew that I could I could kind of play that um, one handed ish, you know. Uh, and I just love the sound of it. I love um, auto harps. I love that that sort of just like chimey, like all of just the big swell of um, almost drone that can happen with those sometimes. And uh, yeah, so so I found one on eBay like a few years ago, and. Uh, it's really fun to play. Ours, unfortunately, has like, like something going on where there's this like high pitch frequency that like plays all of the time. That's like really <laughs> loud. So I have to like, you know, I got to use it in just the right way, and and sometimes use some like, you know, like take out some frequency or whatever, like like in the recording. But um, but yeah, it's a it's a lovely lush um, kind of uh, you know slightly synthetic analog sound it's kind of hard to describe but well yeah and they're very unique it's uh you know you'd be you'd be uh understood if you when you're looking at it you would be like oh that's a cool toy you know it, yeah. it, just, it just doesn't have it doesn't have a look that looks like it's built to last necessarily but they're mm-hmm. you know these bizarre instruments that are really very interesting and, and in its i think in the, the designer's desire to try to create something that was an analog to something they made something truly unique and and to this day i'm surprised somebody hasn't kind of latched on to that and like done like a modern version you know that musicians could actually uh, utilize that you didn't have to to baby because i know that there are i know a few other musicians who who do use them uh, jeff byron from the meishi and uh turbo lightning and whatnot. He's a, he's a huge fan. It has more of them than anyone I've ever seen. But it's also it's kind of a weird thing that yeah, you got to like go on eBay. You got to go to a thrift store or something to find them. And even then, <laughs> there's no guarantee they've been well maintained. Yeah. Can't take it anywhere to get fixed necessarily. Mm-hmm. So it's it's this interesting yeah. kind of instrument from that that early '80s age of hey, let's everything should be digital and electronic. Yeah, let's make something cool. And then, you know, some of those ideas were continued on and some of them were not. And Omnicore is almost like a dead end in that way. But it's yeah. such a cool sound and so unique. But if you know it, you'd be like, oh, I know what that is. And if you don't, you're yeah, like, yeah. that's a weird synth. What is that? Right. Yeah, they're they're very interesting. I mean, I have a thing for weird instruments. I like, um, I don't necessarily want like, like, I- I don't have an idealized like version of a guitar or anything that I want I, or piano even like I kind of I like the discovery of like finding like a weird vintage, you know, organ in an alley. I mean, that's what like organ fantasies was all about. Yeah, like we yeah. kept rescuing these, like organs from from the Chicago alleys. <laughs> I was going to say it sounds it sounds like a uh, sounds like a theme you should make a record on. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, there you have. Um yeah, I just I like the personality of um of the imperfect and um yeah, I almost feel like there's like individ- like songs like waiting to be discovered inside of uh, instruments um, that if you just play them long enough, like like something will kind of emerge from them. Like, 
I don't know. I, I don't really believe that because I'm not like super woo woo or anything, but um, but it does feel that way a little bit when just like give me enough time on an instrument and I'll discover kind of like a song that that, you know, was kind of waiting to be found. But Right. You know. Yeah. And that's, you know, that that isn't woo woo necessarily, as, as you say, isn't necessarily the, 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 the thing. It's, it's more just knowing that. Uh, you know, just like the, you have creative prompts, things that drive creativity for you. Right. Sometimes. Creative. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The instrument itself could be a creative prompt in that way. Uh, right. So Down and Below is the second song. Can you right. say a little bit um, Yeah, Down and Below was kind of about, um, it's about the reoccurring theme of, of depression and anxiety in my life. Uh, and just kind of like, you know, recognizing uh recognizing the cyclical nature of it um, and kind of like coming to terms with that. Um, uh, Cause I mean, I don't know. I think that I'm, I'm pretty good. I mean, honestly, like I've, I've been a little roller coaster in my life, but like my entire family deals with like depression and anxiety. And so it's just always kind of been something that's been around and I've had to learn how to have really good, like mental hygiene (laughs) in order to kind of avoid, um, you know, plunging too far. Um, so anyway, that's what that song was about. Um, and the picking pattern was just something I'd been playing with for a really long time. Um, and uh, yeah, just kind of about some of my time in Chicago and um, like a big, a big depressive dip that I had when, when I was like 26 that happened again when I was 36 after, um, after I got hurt. Seems to happen in like 10 year cycles or Cycl- something. Cyclical. Yeah. Watch out when you're 46, I guess. <laughs> I know. I guess so. Yeah. I'm a little worried. I got a few years. But... Well, yeah. Uh, and, it, and it's, it, it, I definitely, you know, picked up on, on themes for that you know, like being location based, like tied to location and time. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's interesting to kind of see, I don't know if it's a trend so much as just, I become aware of it, but to see people kind of bring in some of this stuff out into the light to kind of talk about a little more explicitly. Yeah. I, I think that's like, that's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm choosing to do it. Um, I think I kind of felt embarrassed about it for a really long time, but I found that if I talked about it with people, like I actually wasn't met with ridicule. I was often met with like more closeness and compassion from people. And so it was actually like by showing, you know, this quote unquote weakness that I had, I was actually creating like, like bonds with people. And also, you know, like, like airing it out, like making it like less taboo to like, say that you've like had like mental, mental health problems so that, so that we can finally deal with them and stop pretending like they don't exist and we're all fine all the time. <laughs> right. Exa- exactly. There's no honor or glory to trying to pretend that things are fine when they're not, you know, and, and it's the, the fact that it's so stigmatized in our culture speaks more to our culture than anything else. But it's, it is interesting to see, you know, everything's a little smaller when it's out. So it's, it can be a divide, yeah. unifying thing in that way. Yeah, I grew up with my aunt Helen um, was developmentally disabled, and um, no one ever actually got her. Um, no one ever, ever actually took her to a doctor to confirm exactly what was going on with her. She was kind of just treated as like. I mean, I grew up in the South and stuff, and so we kind of there's a culture of like like hiding your your familial secrets. Um, and I feel like Helen was almost treated like that way in, in some, in some sense. And I, so I think from a young age, I sort of realized like how, um, uh, how impactful that can be and how negative that can be, uh, for all of us to, 
to just pretend that we're all alike and we're all okay. It's like, it's like middle-class pretense or something, which I grew up working class. So I, I think I haven't adopted a lot of that anyway, but, um, but it's yeah, almost like it, taking on an additional burden you don't need to take on uh, in sure. a certain way. Right. I mean, but it, other than the fact that like there's this implicit cultural thing that says, Oh, don't, don't go talking about that. You know, don't, don't, don't I, flaunt that. That's not for anyone else to know. It's like, well, right. Okay. It doesn't, doesn't mean it's not there though. It's still there. Right. Yeah. I'm not interested in like pretending to be fine all the time. Um, but yeah, luckily, I mean, I think people, people, I feel like there's a, a sea change, you know, in regard to that sort of stuff. So hopefully within the next 10 years, we'll see, we'll see more support and, um, yeah, and less stigmatization, but anyway, um, let's see. The only what amor I have is the next one. Okay, thanks. I was like, what's this order again? Um, yeah, the only hammer I have is kind of a... That's one starts with the, uh, it starts with those uh, beach sounds and... Um... Yeah, that's um, that's actually taken from a 1940s movie set, um, like a, that I found on, yeah, on freesound.org. There's a lot of like free sort of like field sounds and that sort of stuff, which I like, I like to incorporate sometimes. Um, and yeah, think about non-traditional uh, sounds as like musical sounds. And so anyway, that song in particular, for whatever reason, I just always felt like it was beachy. There was something about like the little lick that, I, that I'd written that felt like kind of like lime and a coconutty, but like not that. <laughs> there was something about it that was like touching on that. Um, I kind of, I like exotic stuff and like, um, uh, some kind of islandy themes, and and so anyway, I think some of that was kind of seeping through, but um, but yeah, I mean lyrically, that one uh, <laughs> you would never know it unless you really pay attention to the lyrics. But it's about um, suicidal ideation. <laughs> yeah, it's such a happy song though. Yeah, which yeah, is... but the tone of it is is not uh, depressing sounding. But I mean, I think there's yeah. uh, there, there's certainly clues within within there. There's that. Uh, you know, uh, if there's something going on out there, I don't care. Like there's sort of uh-huh. like you know, it's it it sets the mood in a certain way. That if you're if you're if you're listening for it, you know. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like to do stuff like that sometimes, where like you know, there's this juxtaposition between sort of the tone of something and like the content, and so it creates this sort of like tension, which I think can be really good, but. Um, it was kind of about like, so luckily, like amazingly, I've actually never really like had suicidal tendencies. I've had lots of friends that have like family members and all sorts of stuff, but I have had, and I think most people have probably had this, like where you're in a situation where you're like, you know, oh, I could step, you know, I could take two steps this way and I would be off of this cliff. Just this sort of like recognizing like how close we are to our own mortality and sort of the fragility of like, like the human body and that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I was just thinking about like, sometimes when I'm in a car, like, I'll be like, oh, you know, I could just go like this. Just go to the oncoming lane. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. It's a quarter turn to the left. (laughs) It's that simple. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Anyway, it was kind of about that, and um, but yeah, the song itself, like I just really like the um, that kind of retroy island vibe coupled with some um, pretty like uh, 
antagonistic like synth lines that kind of yeah. are like peppered throughout, which is kind of fun. It creates that again, like a tension uh, sort of thing. And then um, of course, like string swells and, and, um, uh, and lots of, you know, layering. I mean, a lot of my, my songs sort of are dependent on these sort of like vocal layers that I, I kind of weave together and um, yeah. So that's, uh, that's that song. It was pretty fun. Um, uh, yeah, and the dichotomy definitely definitely works because again, it depends on if, if you're not a you know somebody somebody referred to as a lyrics person, which I'm mm-hmm. like, what is lyrics person? What does that mean? But the, I, I guess that means some people only are really paying attention to the musicality, the music elements of it, and not so much the lyrics on their own. Then maybe you you wouldn't notice or would only hey wait a second sure. is that <laughs> you know kind of like notice it like far later or something along those lines. Uh, snake well, skin teeth is the next one. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to. That, that was more of an oh, observation. Oh no, no. Sorry. I just had a little story, like a, a little attached to that, which was I got hired to do um, this uh, to be part of this like group that was uh, performing uh, in Chicago, and I I was playing one of my songs called uh, "Flying, Falling, Crawling," which was about like this like series of nightmares I had about like serial killers and stuff. But anyway, but it's a very beautiful like pretty song, and this was kind of a buttoned up like affair a little bit. And so I performed like three or four times, like in these big, like, um, you know, huge theaters and that sort of stuff for this kind of like buttoned up group. And suddenly like one of the producers of the group actually listened to the lyrical content of the song <laughs> and was like, was like, whoa, like, uh, wow, that's, um, that's a lot darker than I thought, yeah, I thought yeah. it was. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's what y'all hired me to do. So, um, Anyway, the, uh, take, take the ride. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, snakeskin teeth um, was is kind of a fun, gritty one. I was playing a lot with like distortion and stuff on this record. I feel like my voice is so tonally; it's almost like a sine wave. Like it's very, it can be very, very clear, like mm-hmm. no vibrato, like very, like just tone. Yeah. Um, sometimes, and I think that adding a little bit of distortion or a little bit of texture to it can be really helpful to create, um, uh, well, just to create texture and to create sort of like, uh, again, a juxtaposition or a contrast to, uh, to the sort of like smoothness of, of my voice sometimes. So anyway, um, yeah, that song is, is just kind of a weirdo, um, (laughs) honestly, like, uh, I, I think that I'm not even really sure what it's about, to be honest. I think, I think it's about the lessons that I was going through, um, like learning how to play again and just learning how to like live my life on top of this, like these huge stressors that I was going through. And the fact that like these lessons, although I could tell that they were making me, um, stronger and a better person and I was growing, they just, they stung, you know, like, and just the growing pains of, um, of, uh, yeah, going through, through hardship. So yeah, that's kind of what that one's about. Um, do you ever think about things in terms of like cinematic aspects of stuff? And the reason why I say that is like with a fully design, you know, sometimes changing the articulation of, uh, spoken phrases by using like a filter or, or using some kind of effect on it. Like that's, that's something that's used to evoke mood. Sure. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. 
I mean, again, uh, to compare it to like, like, you know, visual art stuff, it's like, you got to pick your colors and your textures <laughs> <Right>. and, <laughs> sure. you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing for me. Um, Whiskey Sea, I guess, is the next, the next one on the album. This is kind of an older song that had been around for a long time, um, which is, uh, I, I was noticing a lot of addiction, like, uh, amongst my friends, and I was thinking about... Self-medication. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. And myself included, honestly. Like, um, you know, there, there have been some periods where I've clearly been self-medicating, um, but but also I was thinking about how that's integrated into class structures and the ways that like mm. different classes sort of express themselves. And I was thinking about like how working class uh, folks and addiction go hand in hand because of just the ways that the working class have been sort of um, pushed to the limits of their bodies, like made to sort of abuse their lives and their bodies like like through their work for this like higher up. And in order to do that day after day, there's sort of a culture of, of intoxication has kind of erupted around that just to like be able to fucking do that every day. Right. Which starts uh, off as the have a drink after work and then it turns into a few drinks and that turns into, okay, that's the evening. And then oh, back at it. Yeah. Yeah. And I just noticed these people um, being really unhappy of, you know, uh, working for the man, like, like, being put through these like stressful grinds and and dealing with it through through alcohol and how common that is <laughs> too common so. yeah and that, that's <clears throat> you know again that's real stuff yeah that that's uh so, that's very real <laughs> so vibe wise what i was trying to get with that one versus the other songs was i wanted it to sound more like a live band like in a bar Past i wanted to get that and- yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah the more like full expression of that song i wanted it to feel like you were in like a working class bar like hearing a band kind of rip it up a little bit I, I, um, I, which which it does get that vibe i i also got to say as as being a lyrics guy I, I love the phrase wobbling tower of meat by the way i think that that, <laughs> that, that, that caught my ear immediately I was like, that's awesome <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I've definitely had that feeling before. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, th- I think anyone that uh, has 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 dealt with a drink has probably had that at, at some point or another. So it's it's, it's yeah. relatable. Uh, mortal moment. Yeah, mortal moment um, was about trying to um, trying to be present, trying to. Uh, you know, be be fully aware of this life and um, and take all of its lessons and you know disregard fears and and all that sort of stuff. It's almost like a little prayer for myself. Um, like I don't actively pray. I'm not religious or anything, but um, but I sometimes write myself little notes through song, <laughs> things that like lessons that I wish I could like take to heart. And so that's what that song is kind of about. And I wanted to create like a um, you know, again, I'm not religious, but I wanted to create that kind of like church choir vibe of like, that's why some of the organs and stuff. Hits the organ, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And the layers of 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 you know choirs, um, kind of in the background as it like builds, um, and uh, yeah, to create sort of um, you know uh, a, a moment that could reverberate in that particular sort of spiritual way, maybe. 
Is there um, anything that have you in your own life kind of uh, led yourself to the I need to be more in the moment vibes just because you've noticed that you have not been in the past? Yeah. Is it, that's been a thing oh, you yeah. noticed? Oh, yeah. I remember, well, a few things. I remember like when I was a kid, basically, noticing that I wasn't noticing, like noticing <laughs> I wasn't, I yeah, wasn't. Yeah. And so I'm taking taking a moment, I was in the backseat of a car and I, I really, I took all of my attention and I paid attention to like every single aspect of everything that was happening to me. And I remember that moment, like, you know, uh, perfectly. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've had some things happen that made me sort of like disassociate, like physically, like I don't necessarily like feel part of my body sometimes. Mm. I was attacked by a dog when I was like five. It was like a big deal. And I, there was a lot of healing involved. And like I had to live on my stomach for like a couple of months. And anyway, all that sort of stuff. I think that like as a survival like tactic, I sort of learned how to like be outside of my body. Yeah, be, right? in, your, be in your mind and, and kind of be. Yeah, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so anyway, I've noticed that like peppered throughout my life. Um but uh, so, yeah, I've been a struggling meditator for for many years now, and it does it does really help. Um, I'm much more consistent now than than I was for several years. But um, yeah, I uh, struggling meditator is, a, is is the second great phrase for a song title. The other <laughs> one was an optimistic daughter that came up in the. <laughs> oh, nice. Great. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah. Uh, Presence is a big deal. It's something I'm like constantly striving for. Um, I don't know. Do you meditate? Do you do you relate to any of that? Yeah, I mean, I, I so I used to be able to and kind of explored it a little bit when I was much younger, like in my very early 20s. And then for whatever reason, I find it extraordinarily difficult now. Like it's, it's very hard for me. I've got a, a un, an unquiet mind. Yeah, monkey mind. In, in, in that way. And so because of that, I just, I find it very, very difficult. And I guess I should keep trying, but uh, it, it's been, it's been hard for me. I think I've, I think my, my brain is, is constantly wired to go 7,000 directions at once. And mm-hmm. even though that's on a multi-track way, the whole point of meditation is to sort of quiet yourself down. And mm-hmm. that, I think that used to be easier for me for whatever reason. Yeah, it's hard. The The struggle is real. Um, and like I've quit uh, for for years before because I felt like I could never do it right. And then the. Um, but is there, uh, is there really a doing it right with meditation? No, yeah. there's not. That's, <laughs> that's the false belief. Yeah. No, whatever you're doing is like totally perfect. And it's uh, it's not like we're so like goal oriented, like in our like in our culture and there's not like there's not an endpoint of meditation like you're not trying yeah. to like get, there's actually no enlightenment enlightenment in my you know in my book but uh so it's all about the journey and yeah there's no doing it right but when covid hit like a bunch of other stuff happened i got like some some great opportunities like artistically i got like an art residency and like but my at the same time my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer and was like dealing with all this stuff and then COVID and the racial uprising and the, you know, I live in Portland and like, that was kind of crazy with like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the police conflicts. And um, so I just had to start meditating. I was like mandatory. I was just like, 
All right. <laughs> I'm freaking out. I got to like <laughs> There's I gotta so much going on. It, it, um, it, it's literally this for your own sanity at that point, right? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. That and yoga, the two things I think have helped me get through the past like 9 months. Um but uh yeah, hopefully hopefully those the, my consistency will continue in less tumultuous times. We'll see. Well, that's that's so, the key, right? Yeah, it, it, it's uh they say that those that advocate for it say that it's almost just as important when you don't feel like oppressed by the world necessarily. Uh, yeah. you, you just got to keep it up as a habit because you're training your mind to like listen to itself and then also not to listen at the same time. And it, it's something <laughs> where that's, we put a focus on it like, oh, stuff's so crazy right now. I need to need to be centered. But it's like, no, the idea is if you're going to be centered, you should be centered all the time. And that needs to be a, a practice because it's like anything like singing or yeah, playing an instrument or something. If you don't practice it, guess yeah. what happens? <laughs> or like lifting weights, you know, yeah, you can't yeah, exactly. like weight once and like be strong all of a sudden. Like it's a it's a consistent like over time sort of deal. So. Yeah, like I have these 30 pound weights. Why do they seem heavy to me now? They didn't used to. It's like, well, you haven't been doing this. That's why. Yeah. If you did it every yeah, exactly. day, it would be fine. Yep. Uh, having nothing to do with weightlifting, let's talk about little pieces. Sure. Um that was born out of uh, a lot of things. I mean, that song was kind of inspired by, uh, when I perform it, people always think that it's like about me, which a lot of my songs really aren't like at all. They're, they're, they're fictions that are sort of like cobbled together of like, like a bunch of different things that I've seen. But in particular, that song's about sexism and the way that it can integrate itself into relationships. And um, the women that I've seen that have sort of sacrificed themselves for um, for horrible men, and it's about the it's about the evolution of the like um, like of here you can you can do anything you want with me like like I want you I adore you like like I hate you I can't get to w- get away from you like um, like please don't leave me <laughs> like that kind of weird like art that can happen like in dysfunctional relationships um and uh yeah i've seen a few of those unfortunately um thankfully not not personally but um but i've had friends go through that stuff so why do you think there is that cultural bias to assume that a song with material like that would be autobiographical well, for one, when I perform, it's pretty emotional. I think that's one of the things I can do is like carry people into that emotional moment. And I think there's like an assumption that it's personal um, because because I'm clearly like feeling it. Yeah. Um, but I have, you know, um, but that's that's just but that's not like, true. That's empathy too. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm like a deeply sensitive, empathetic person, and um, and I was also a theater kid, so I'm I'm used to performing in that particular way. You know, like dialing into whatever, whatever the emotion is, and I mean it's real. I'm you know I'm not like like pretending to feel a certain way, but but yeah, it's just not it's not about me. But I've had a lot of people like be like, are you okay? Or, right. or, well, that was interesting, you know, yeah, like, I've yeah, had a lot yeah, of yeah. <laughs> Well, and, yeah. and, you know, the vibe-wise with the song, like, it almost fits in that grand tradition, you know, I guess con- it's most associated with country, right? You, you mm-hmm. know, uh, yeah. <laughs> but there, there's, 
as you know, when you're when you're dealing with like uh, relatable concepts like that, I think you know more people than are likely to admit can find some some truth, if not for themselves, and for someone close to them or someone they know, you know, a, yeah. a parent or somebody along those lines. Who knows? But it's something where it, it's it's always been weird to me that it, it does seem like the guy sings a song like that. It isn't immediately assumed it's about that guy's lived experience. But mm. when a woman sings a song like that, for some reason, there's always that assumption. I, I never think that. But the, I, I also come from a very, like, I, I love allegory, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's where I'm coming from. But I've never understood that. I've never, if it, I, I mean, I just assume it's cultural sexism of some kind. Like, I, I don't know. Like, is it? <laughs> Well, you know, there's like the the falsehoods that like women are more emotional than men. There's like, you know, women don't lie. Like, you know, they're these like pristine little vessels of of whatever. Um, But also, but I do, just to give you a counterpoint, I do have male friends who... um, who have been accused of like, of like uh, having autobiographical songs that are like, like I have one friend, Adam Fawcett, who's like a great singer songwriter. And he has one song about sort of an abusive relationship and he's had people like come up, come up to him after performances and be like, man, I'm gonna kick your butt. You know, like, why are you beating women? Like that whole thing. And, um, but he does sort of strip down stuff too. So I wonder if it's like, maybe that, like partly, like, I, I find it hard to believe that like, like a loud, like super loud, like rock band or something like that, the, the, the lead singer would be, you know, sort of targeted for like writing autobiographically. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. But, the, like, but then people just aren't paying attention to the lyrics. So. Right. Go. It's a hard hear, <laughs> you know, like it's much more about the vibes than about like, yeah. like the lyrical storytelling content. But, um, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's, like that, that's, that's... it's in everything. It sucks. But. Yeah. You know, it, it, I think being aware of it helps in some case, but I, I don't I don't have yeah. a specific answer for that other than, other than cut it out, you know. But Well, yeah. I mean, we all have to, like, look at how we learned all that stuff. It's not like this stuff happened in a vacuum or that it was born out of people being bad. It was out of seeing seeing the oppression act out and then replicating it. Cause we're like little kids and we're like trying on the things that we see. Right. Um, you know, it's, uh, societal. It, it is. And it's, it's not something we're probably going to sort out during the course of this episode, unfortunately, but probably not. <laughs> yeah. We can move on. <laughs> uh, reason for the beast is next. Yeah. So I was, when we moved to Portland, um, our first place was this like little apartment, um, very cute, like 1960s kind of apartment. And we had a friend in town and we were, we were just hanging out about, you know, 11, maybe midnight, something like that in the living room. And I suddenly heard this like loud pop sound, like, and we were all like, what was that? And it sounded like a dresser being like knocked over or something, which is like a weird thing to compare it to. But, um, that's what it sounded like. And then uh, I went to the back uh, window of our kitchen, was like washing something. And I watched all of these like police officers just like running through an alley. And I'm like, what's going on? This is really weird. But I was hanging out with a friend, you know, whatever. So we went to bed. And then the next morning I woke up to discover that one of our neighbors in a, in a drug rage had, had basically shot his wife and then walked out of our courtyard and had walked around our courtyard telling everyone that he loved them. And then, and then he 
went upstairs and shot himself. So I guess I, I think I heard the first the first gunshot. Um, and the woman who was shot, his partner was also named Heather. She was like one year older than me. Like, um, I don't know. It just really, it really shook me. Um, and thinking about um, domestic violence, like when we moved from Chicago, I mean, in Chicago, we were around a lot of violence. We, you know, we, we lived next to parts of town that had like gang violence and all sorts of stuff. But when we moved to Portland, I was noticing an increase in domestic violence. Um, and I don't know if it's just because there was less of the other violence to like talk about or like what the shift was, but I just kept hearing every single day was like a new story about a woman being beaten or murdered by her partner. And, and so it just hit me really hard. And writing this song was like part, part of my processing, um, like trying to figure out like how, you know, how people are brought to the point of, of murdering other people, like this gun violence that we, we keep seeing manifest in our country, like where the fuck does that come from? Like, how does a person find themselves able to shoot their lover? You know, like, and the fact that all of us have like maybe a little seed of like monster waiting inside of us, like that can be expressed depending on, you know, depending on drugs, depending on like what happens in our life, like stressors, like emotional breakdowns, all sorts of stuff. So. It's just sort of reckoning with um, the darkness, you know, that we all have, like a little bit. Um, yeah, and that, and that's a uh, you know, there's the, the line that gets me in that too is that there's blood in his eyes and a sense of deep relief. Yeah. And I've I've given a lot of thought on that because when you think about you know motivation and you think about you know why people do what they do, which that all those you know what investigation discovery or whatever the murder 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 shows. they've they've commodified that and turned it into like an easily digestible trope but you know people don't arrive to that place from nothing they you know there's motivation behind all of it and i mean i think i was trying to empathize with him too a little bit you know like or not maybe not empathize but like i guess yeah attempting to empathize like try to figure out how how he ended up there um which, you know, it's really easy to, like, dehumanize people who act in monstrous ways, but right. they're still human beings. Um, well, that comes back to the, the theater thing, right? Like, you know, and the, the villains rarely consider themselves the villains. They're just, you know, sure. they're the misunderstood heroes of their own story. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, with that song, like, the vibe I wanted to... I recorded an initial demo version of that just in my bedroom, like, the day after it happened, and there was like a quality to it that was like so fragile and so like caught in the middle of the night or something. Um, and I wanted to preserve that quality, which honestly, I don't know if I don't know if I nailed it like on the album. Um, I think I I think I did get part of the vibe there, but um, but I just wanted to I wanted to create a sense of like intimacy and and like dealing with something really complex. Um, like one-on-one with a person or something right. that was sort of the fact I was trying to go for but um yeah heavy heavy stuff heavy stuff uh, heavy stuff, heavy stuff. <clears throat> I mean the next one's not not lighter uh old, old friend. friend yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a heavy record I mean like it's it, there's nothing it wrong with that it's, it's really, just it's a heavy record yeah. you know I mean, honestly, I think I was just trying to heal and, and like art and music are like cathartic for me. And so, uh, some of that came out, but, um, 
Yeah, I mean, God. Uh, old friend <clears throat> is uh, just about the fact that um, I know pretty much every woman I know has like a story of like sexual assault or abuse or something yeah, of some sort you know, of various yes. levels and <clears throat> how how tragic that is and how often it's it's uh, those offenses are um, from people that we know and trust. And it's again, it's, it's sort of like the insidious nature that's kind of lurking around the corner, like in all of us or or in someone close to us. Um, and so anyway, it's a it's again about that that kind of darkness. Um, and yeah, and so I tried to create it's sort of it's got this water theme to it, um, which I think there's something about drowning that it, <laughs> or or being underwater or something that's like you're like carried a, a, a by these like waves that like you can't even really see underwater and there's something about that 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 ran parallel to um, to to some of these other themes that I'm talking about. So anyway, I incorporated like sounds of like water and um, dripping and dirt like yeah. gritty dirt water <laughs> it's, it's a uh earthy isn't the right dirt. word but it's got yeah, yeah it's got the it's elemental in that way <laughs> it's a, elemental. you feel a little grimy like listening to it was was kind of one of the i don't know slight motivations but um the next one was can't which, uh, which is actually my favorite one on the entire record oh thank I you i I like it too, uh, to be honest. It's really fun to play. Um, and that was born out of uh, a, so a combination of things, but it's kind of about, it's about like going from being sort of like, uh, I don't know, being vulnerable and sort of blaming your problems like on the world, like to like uh, a disempowerment all the way to empowerment, which is like the end of the song where it like gets big and bold and is like, no, you can't, you know? Um, yeah, turn it around. And, yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, so it's, uh, I tried to capture that in the dynamics of the song. So it just starts out really spare and, um, and gritty a little bit and then builds up to this like big, crunchy, fuzzy, uh, wall of, wall of sound sort of stuff. Um, yeah, it's got this gradual build that kind of goes, you know, at, at from a more uh, low key, low key might be the wrong word, but from from a more intimate place over to this this big uh, kind of more beastly presentation as, yeah. as it goes. I just wanted it to be like cacophonous and um, yeah, and and pull someone along for the ride with that. So um, yeah, it's a it's a fun song, and I hope it's. Uh, I hope it's the right song for certain people in certain times. I, I hope it's the sort of song that you can like blast in your car when you really need it. Totally. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Like it, it can it, like in its, in its way in the telling of the story in and of itself could be, you know, motivational to, to, to have that turn around. Yeah. I tried to keep the, the language really simple and, and generic in a way that like generically specific, an, uh, open enough that other people could identify with it really clearly and kind of use it, like try it on or wear it um, in whatever way is appropriate to them. So. Like, like it could fit other situations that weren't maybe necessarily yes. the ones in, in mind when uh, writing it. Right. Like it's an empowerment hat that I could like hand to people and be like, you wear, you know, if you need to like right. feel this way, wear this. And 
yeah, scream your guts out or whatever. So, um, yeah. And then after that big, big loud one, the last one is Counting Pennies, which which um, is the last song of the record. Yeah. And and did you? I guess let's let's start with that one. Also, just why was that one the closer? Like, why did you say that that's the one that should be at the very end? You know, picking an order is hard, as you well know. Um, picking, picking an order for an album is really challenging. Um, but I, after the big crescendo of Can't, I wanted I wanted to return to something that was like um, a, a little bit more like spare and intimate, and also that was a little different than all the other album or all the other songs on the album. So. Um, it's the only one that is only piano driven. There's a little bit of electric guitar that's been run through various processes to create sort of this like choral effect that happens in the background. But, um, uh, but it's, it's pretty stripped down. It's just my voice and a piano and, uh, everything sounds a million miles away. Um, that was actually one of the first songs that I wrote on piano. So it's actually really old song um that i've been meaning to put on an album for forever and i performed it with bands and it's like a totally different song with bands it's much more um girl group sort of thing uh and or zombie prom is what we we zombie end up calling the song a lot it sounds kind of like a zombie prom yeah um, yeah yeah no i get um, it that, that's evocative i like it yeah uh but this this version of the song for this album was kind of just a new way of doing it that was just very stripped back and um yeah and themes wise it's you know it's sort of about it's again sort of about like long-term relationships i feel like a lot i don't write about like love a lot i feel like that ground is like well worn for good reason <laughs> yeah adequately covered by yeah you know, an artist or two yeah <laughs> love is love is lovely um yeah, great I'm all and for it. <laughs> I, it's all of most of the songs that were about that, like that early love, right? Like the love of infatuation and desire and like, I just met you and oh my God, my heart's beating out of my chest, that sort of stuff. But like fewer songs are about the, like the, like the old love, the, the love that's been around the ringer like a few times and right. wasn't perfect. And yeah, still that, that, was that's somehow less of a, uh, uh, topic that is, is it's not low-hanging fruit it's higher hanging fruit to uh to pull well, it's not from. it's not as shiny yeah. right because because it's, it's not idealized um but it's the real thing and if if you have any sort of long-term relationship you'll 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 see that like you have to come to terms with the fact that like you're not constantly desiring this person all of the time or agreeing with everything they say or you know are completely pleased with everything they do that's just like not life so um so yeah it's kind of it's kind of about that and how um i don't know like how you can spend your whole time in a relationship feeling like you want out of it but ultimately it's the thing that like um made you whole and sort of like uh you know was the most important thing even if you couldn't recognize it in the moment i feel like there's that sort of like hindsight uh element that i'm kind of touching on but yeah but you know, I sort of wanted to start and end the album with those two themes of this like long-term complicated love. Um, that that was sort of a mistake, but when I saw it, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Um, and uh, yeah, and vibe-wise, I just wanted it to feel there. I got like a, a new pack of um, Arturia uh, plugins for 
pianos and synths and, and all sorts of stuff. And I discovered this like gray American uh, piano that just sounds like it's just full of ghosts. I just feel like if you like lift it up, you know, like the top of the, the piano, cartoon like ghosts a thousand ghosts. Out. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> Casper, like that's, Casper style yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> Either that or yeah, it was just recorded like, like on a foggy hill or something. Like there's just something really atmospheric about it that I liked. So um, yeah, so I took that vibe and then ran with it. And then Jason came up with the, uh, the sort of choral guitar thingy that's on there that kind of sounds like my background vocals. We actually originally had background vocals on there as well. And I felt like they, they were competing. I needed, again, about the minimalism or, or just making sure that the elements that are there all like have a specific purpose. Um, I just felt like that was too much. So we edited those out and just kept the, uh, the uh, guitar. And it, it kind of did the same role. And I think is like a little, yeah, a little different. So anyway, that's the album. So that's To a Cinder. And <laughs> I don't think I mentioned earlier, but uh, boneandbell.bandcamp.com yeah. uh, for that. It's also on the other thing. It's also on the other stuff. I do want to talk, uh, you know, we've, we've alluded to it because how could we not? But the, the, the visual art element, I, I love the, you know, as a, for instance, you can get like the print with with the VR experience, which is very unique. That's not something the augmented reality world is not something mm-hmm. that a lot of, of bands are taking advantage of. And you're in a unique position to do so. Uh, was that yeah. just a, you, you know, wh- wh- how did you approach that? Was that just something you had in mind the whole time? Was it because you also work with that art form and you just were like, hey, why don't I just do this for my own stuff as well as engineering it and writing it and <laughs> do it all yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly i have that pattern uh yeah, yeah i noticed uh, <laughs> yeah yeah it's true uh so i work in re- mixed reality or i have for the last year i tried to get into it about five years ago um when i was working in like mobile games and that sort of stuff and interactive design uh, which is what i what i've done for for the dollar bills for many years <laughs> and um Anyway, got into mixed reality about a year ago and have just been really excited because it's it's the birth of a new medium. Nobody knows what it is yet, what it's good at, like what kind of storytelling it will be especially like good at doing. It's Wild West um, still, yeah. <laughs> it is. It's totally Wild West. And I like that. I, I kind of like being on the bleeding edge um, a little bit. Uh, it makes for a lot of like technical headaches. I mean, to be honest, like there's so many of those hurdles that I'm like constantly having to kind of overcome. But I'm just trying to remain flexible. And again, working with constraints can be a really good thing. So as long as I can like keep my attitude like good about that stuff, it, it makes it easier. But so I hadn't really planned on doing an AR uh, accompaniment to um, to the album, but I, uh, you know, I, I make visual art, you know, I'm an illustrator and I knew I was going to illustrate the album cover, um, which I did, which is like kind of a combination of a volcano and vocal cords. I've had other people say that it looks like um, a uterus, which I totally get. And if you <laughs> read it that way. I, I wasn't like, thinking about forward. that, but I now that I'm looking at it, having you having heard that, I could see that. Yeah. yeah. I can see that. Yeah, that's basically what I what I I felt as well. But um, <laughs> I felt like there was, you know, as I was making that, I knew there was a little bit of a narrative there, like in 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 the, the illustrated piece. And I also knew that uh, in my other work, one of the things that I'm trying to kind of um, discover 
is like how music or how audio can be integrated into AR and VR, how you can actually like, like what would be like, what would a song in augmented reality be? And how can you, um, how can you create a piece that leaves enough space and, and modulation for the participant to actually make an impactful, um, you know, to make impact on the song, to actually change the song or the experience of the song, right. like in, in an authentic way, like giving them agency and sort of allowing for, rather than having like, like a song that is just a monologue, like a one, one way, here is the song, your ears interpret it, you know, and do whatever you're going to do on the inside. Rather than doing that, doing presenting with a bunch of options, and then the other person sort of responds to it, and it, it creates a dialogue. That's the whole idea. Yeah. How do you yeah. make it a How do you make it a choose your own adventure rather than a strict narrative arc? And deeper than that, too, though, like not just like choosing from a list of like A, B, or C, but like like actually having greater effect. agency. Yeah. 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 And there's so, no guidebook for that that I'm aware of. I mean, if if there is, I'm, no, not, I'm not aware of it. Yeah. So. No. It, it's not. Um, as far as I know, it hasn't really been a made thing yet. And so I'm just kind of exploring that. And I wanted to explore that for this album, but the software that I that I was using to create this stuff was was not that advanced. <laughs> and so <laughs> it it morphed from like this big idea of like, oh, I'm gonna do an AR song that's gonna like like be fully adaptive and you know, like this huge like big idea to being like, well, I'm going to include a uh, a secret song, like an extra song on the album on this like additional sort of path that you can only discover, you know, through this AR experience and then create like um, some behind the scenes stuff. And, and so it sort of became the like the extras, you know, like the DVD extras of, of the album. And it comes with an art print that you can like frame because uh, art prints are what I do in my my regular life. So Well, totally. And, and that seems like that's something where you don't need to be someone who's experimenting around with augmented reality or honestly even know what augmented reality is to, you know, you can still appreciate the fact, oh, there's this awesome piece of art that comes with this. Oh, yeah, that, that was the hope. Um, Which if you look at the larger construct of, you know, most people that buy vinyl, uh, you know, the, 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 the sort of open secret is that a lot of people still listen to it digitally, but they have it as like the, you know, the, the physical keepsake. So it's like, what, are they, what does that mean if not by an art object? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what I love about about buying buying the vinyl or buying the extras for a band. I like I like finding out more about the process and I like I like getting something extra, you know, like if you're gonna make the additional gesture of like purchasing this thing, I feel like that should be met, you know, by the artist uh, by providing something like special and well, it's definitely special. It's, it's definitely interesting. I'm, I was uh, I was very happy to pick that up because it's it's something where it's like, oh, this this is just on its own. Just having the print of that is like that's just a nice piece of art. But like also to to know that there's this other thing that maybe even I uh, understand but have not like fully immersed myself into. Uh, admittedly, like it's it's nice to have that uh, as an available as available thing, pretty much. Well, it's probably going to be like a weird artifact, like in a few years, right? It's going to be like, like a, you know, it's going to be way above its time and be like, oh my God, one of the first, whatever. Or like, oh yeah. Remember back when, you know, like CD-ROM. Right. Like the first iPod or something. (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. Like I think back to like the poster children CDs 
that had like the oh it's got games in it and stuff like that. there's all this other content that ha- and and then now it's like hey there were these things called cds and mm-hmm. <laughs> you within those you could have this other stuff that because you put it in your computer to listen mm-hmm. to and if you didn't put it in your computer you wouldn't necessarily be aware but like the idea of that is is in the, you know, it would be a cultural dead end because that format fell out of favor. But you never know what's going to, what people are going to latch on to. I mean, I still recall to this day, like somebody talking about how streaming would never be effective or popular. Right. Right. <laughs> like they, yeah. a, an impassioned and, you know, well reasoned, if even if I didn't agree, rant ab- sure. about how like it wasn't possible. And I was, and, and I was like, well, it's possible. I'm telling you, it's possible. It's just, it's not something we put a priority into. It would need buy-in from the people making and distributing the stuff, which obviously we have now. And now it's, well, of course it is streaming. Everybody knows that, but yeah, there were some people that passionately argued against it. So turning all the back around, you know, I could see augmented reality becoming something that catches on. I could see it being something that's, you know, just a niche interest and I could see it just being, a dead end. But I'm really excited that you did it for this because it's just it's, it's an extra thing that, other than just an awesome record, you kind of can get out of this, which I think is really cool. I was trying really hard to make it more than just a cherry, like a sparkly, like like novelty sort of thing. Like, um, and uh, I, I'm, you know, I hope that, that as the technology um, gets better and better, I'll be able to really lean into that. I don't feel like I quite achieved what I wanted to, to be honest um with the AR experience for this but um if I mean having been in the world for about a year I will say that I think AR is probably going to land like in a more ubiquitous way like within the next 10 years like a big part of the hurdle is is hardware um so uh there anyway I think within 10 years we're probably going to see some sort of device that allows us to experience AR more fluidly and not looking like a big dork, like with Google glasses or whatever. Um, and right. Like looking, you're like, you're in some like eighties sci-fi movie or something when you're. Yeah. And along, <laughs> yeah. And with the internet of things and like the continued like digitization of our world, like the, the virtual world and, and the real world are just going to blend more and more and more. And then, and probably full scale adoption for VR will be a little bit later, actually. Everyone thought that VR was going to be like the big dog, like initially, and there was a whole lot of hype and a whole lot of money like thrown around in Silicon Valley and all sorts of stuff around Magic Leap and a bunch of other companies. Um, But, uh, but uh, yeah, I think AR is actually going to be more ubiquitous earlier, but we'll see. It's early days. It's super early days. I like went to a convention at MIT like earlier this year before like COVID hit um, with some of like the top people in the industry. And even those guys are like, oh, it's super early days and we don't, yeah, we don't knows. really know what's going to happen. Nobody knows. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So I'm just, I'm just hanging out out there on the frontier, basically seeing what I can do. Well, Heather, I really appreciate you spending all the time and, and, and talking to me about the record. I think it's a great record and people should check Thank it out you. again. It's to a sender bonabell.bandcamp.com, but it's also on, you know, Spotify and uh, YouTube sure. and like whatever, however you listen I to stuff, yeah. all the places, yeah. go to your friendster <laughs> and download it. You know, what, any of that stuff. <laughs> friendster. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> MP3.com. Sure. Let's take it all the way back. Uh, so la- last thing, 
uh, before we go is I have just the one can question I ever ask people and that's just why do you do what you do? Oh man. Um, <laughs> I have to, I mean, if I didn't, I think I'd be so sad. I think I'd be so sad all the time. Like, like actually an indicator for me, if I'm feeling like bad is I can actually be like, okay, have I made anything? And often I haven't. And it's like, oh, okay. And <laughs> now I just have to go make something and I'll like feel better. Um, but yeah, I mean, I grew up in a household of, of musicians and artists and it was just such a integrated part of life. Um, that I, I can't imagine not doing it. I mean, it's, it's what I spend all of my time doing other than loving people and like petting my dog, like, and exercising every once in a while, like, like making stuff is, is what gets me up in the morning and, um, gives me things to look forward to. And, uh, yeah, it's just who I am. So can't, can't extract it from me. It's just the way it goes. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much. Heather. Yeah. This, this has been a blast. Hey having me. I appreciate it. Good to talk to you. Good to talk and, to you uh, as well. Yeah. Have a good weekend. Take Bye. care. Bye. All right. There she goes. Heather Smith, Bone and Bell. Let's listen to a Bone and Bell song right now. This is Can't.
Those are both songs off of the excellent record To Ascender by Bone and Bell with my guest for today, Heather Smith. Find that uh, anywhere you get your music. Bandcamp is where I favor. <laughs> it's also on Spotify and all the other, other things. Uh, as are all the excellent Bone and Bell records. Oregon Fantasies, which we didn't really talk about. Morning Broom, which we didn't talk about at all, but it, it's all there. Heather's awesome. That was great. You've been listening to Kona Neutron's Protonic Reversal. Thank you so much for doing that. The show airs live. Radio Nope, usually Thursdays, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific. Podcasted later everywhere. ProtonicReversal.com. Patreon.com slash Reversal if you're looking to hear an episode earlier. $1 a month gets you early access. Otherwise, you just gotta wait. Wanted to give a huge thanks to everyone for sharing episodes of the show around that they like. Uh, and say nice things. That uh, that means a lot to me, and it means a lot to the continued health and vitality of the show. So, thank you. 50, watts of Reviews are kind of dumb, but it helps people find it as well. So, if you feel so inclined to navigate the maze, an iTunes review or on your listening platform of choice helps people find it. That's the only reason why I even talk about it. I think it's dumb. <laughs> No, that's no sponsors. No kidding. Can you hear me now? Stay safe out there. Out on Route 128, the dark and low. And take it easy. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now?
If you're the fifth caller, or any caller at all, welcome to my top ten. I'd like to thank our sponsor, but we haven't got a sponsor, not if you were the last man on earth, she was prepared to prove it, this one goes out to a special girl. if there's no one there to receive. It's the end of radio. As we come to the close of our broadcast day,
emergency. Uh -huh.